Oral questions by members? Member for Peace River South. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Look, life's never been more expensive in British Columbia. People deserve better than what we seem to have under uh, the Premier's uh, secret plan. I'm not sure what he's doing here to work on inflation, but costs in BC are higher than ever. The latest inflationary data shows that things are getting even worse, not better here in British Columbia. With the cost of living now, it's jumped up almost 6% over last year. So while the Premier seems to have no problem solving the inflationary problems for himself and Cabinet with a $40,000 raise, um, he's doing nothing right now, right now to help the people who in British Columbia are suffering uh, with all these extra costs. So this is what the Premier said last Thursday, and I quote, the Minister of Finance has been directed by me to look at efforts to bring forward initiatives to assist with inflation. Well, we'll see how that goes, end quote. That sure doesn't sound very much like a commitment from this Premier to do anything, so I'll give the Premier another chance. What is the Premier going to do now to address the inflationary costs that are hurting people in British Columbia? Premier. I appreciate the question from uh, the uh, critic from, uh, from Peace River South. Uh, and of course, uh, our objective uh, as members of this House is to make life better for our constituents. And we've been, of course, doing that, Mr. Speaker, as you know, since 2017, when we first order of business was to do away with tolls on bridges that were put in by uh, Kevin Falk. And the second thing we did, the second thing we did was fix the dumpster fire at ICBC that led to not one, not two, but three, three rebates to policyholders, as well as a 20% reduction in costs. And, and if it's not just the travelling public that have benefited from these policies, Honourable Speaker, uh, the aforementioned uh, medical services premiums are gone completely. They do not exist in British Columbia. Kevin Falcon indexed them annually so they would go up year over year over year. That was their solution to inflation, Honourable Speaker, to introduce an inflationary tax on regular people. We've done away with all of that. We've reduced costs for childcare. We brought in a child opportunity credit, members, a child opportunity benefit. And I members, the, the, the grandmothers and fathers on the other side because they're past their child raising years. But as grandparents, they will know that their children are ecstatic to have access to a child opportunity benefit so they can raise their kids here in British Columbia with $1,600 more in their pockets. Members. Well, again, Honourable Speaker. Members, Certainly, international inflation is a hot-button issue for the members from Surrey. They must be just crestfallen that the people that they represent no longer have to pay tolls to drive around in the Lower Mainland. Member for Peace River South Supplemental. Uh, well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. So an on-answer from the Premier of what's affecting people today, right now, 6% increase in inflation. The Premier said that the Minister was going to work on something, but we don't know what that is. Obviously a secret plan from this Premier. But look, house prices have gone up $600,000 under this Premier's watch. Renters are paying $3,000 a year more under this NDP government. Still no renters rebates. So while the Premier, again, has no problem giving himself a retroactive pay increase for himself and Cabinet, $40,000, nearly half, think about this, nearly half of the people in British Columbia are only $200, $200 away from not being able to pay their bills every month. So the NDP took care of themselves, 
but they weren't able to take care of uh, the renters with a renter's rebate. They've done nothing to lower housing prices that they promised to do. Now it looks like they're just going to skirt over and do nothing to help with the inflationary pressures that are hitting the people of British Columbia today. So will the Premier be more specific about now? What's he going to do now? What direction has he given the Minister of Finance? And what will British Columbians see that will help them today? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And again, uh, I know that this is a fact-free zone when it comes to the official opposition. Uh, they know full well the compensation rates have not changed at all in British Columbia. They're the same now as they were before. The same now Members. As they were before. And I appreciate that's difficult for them to understand. I appreciate that. Members. They would prefer to rely on stunts from the Preston Manning era rather than good government. Fair enough. Fair enough. written by one of their former colleagues, George Abbott, who talked about the yanking back and forth of tax policies that was under the watch of the other guys, all for stunts, and instead we're focusing on people, honourable member. And I absolutely understand the challenges and the hardships that people are facing as we come out of a pandemic that constrained economic activity across not just the province, but the country, and indeed around the world. And only, only BC Liberals will be so filled with hubris that they would think that British Columbia is the only place that's experiencing inflation right now, honourable speaker because it's not. This is a global phenomenon, a global phenomenon Members. that does not require the narrow thinking of these two liberals, but expansive thinking like that on this side of the House, focused on making life better for people rather than scoring political points with misinformation. Members, please, when a question is asked, the other side listen. When the answer is given, other side listen. So, Let's pay attention to each other. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, and here in 2022, when people are faced with $200 left in their bank account and not being able to pay their bills, and the Premier had no problem rushing his retroactive pay, which in fact will see a check in his bank account long before any relief is seen for people with the rebate check around the, the price of the pumps, the Premier has repeatedly promised to make life more affordable. But he just simply hasn't. Under the NDP, housing and rents are up at record levels. The cost of gas has doubled. In fact, gas is around 50 to 60 cents more expensive in BC than it is in Alberta, where it gets shipped from to BC. And the cost of groceries is up almost 20%. On Thursday, the Premier said, and I quote, the minister has been working on inflation initiatives for months and will continue to work on it for the days ahead, end quote. Working on it, no actual solution and no deliverable. But there are families who don't know how they're going to pay for their groceries tomorrow morning, and yet the Premier and this government is dragging their feet, trying to bring forward any actual meaningful results for people. Will the Premier be clear? What is he going to do about inflation, and when will they actually do it? Minister of Finance. much, Mr. Speaker. Well, I know that the members do understand. I actually do think they understand that this is a global issue. There are many people around the world and many jurisdictions around the world that are worried about rising costs for necessities of, like food and housing. And it's especially hard on people who are struggling. There's no doubt about that, Mr. Speaker. The federal government and the Bank of Canada have the tools to combat inflation directly. And our government has always been committed to reduce costs for British Columbians. And we're going to continue to do that very important work. Member for Cambridge, Members. 
Member for Kamloops North Thompson Supplemental. Thank you. Well, there's jurisdictions around the world and around this country that are actually trying to take meaningful action at the same time. But the fact is, life has never been more expensive as it is now under this NDP government. People are paying more for everything. Beef and butter is up 32%. Fresh vegetables are up 24%. And gas, almost 70 cents more a litre under the NDP. While the NDP cabinet has had no problem acting very quickly to give themselves that raise, a retroactive raise, I might add, the Premier refuses to even say when he will help British Columbians. In fact, this is what he said last week. This is how little urgency they have on this subject, Mr. Speaker. This is what the Premier said last week, and I quote, I don't want to say we'll have something to say in a few weeks, because then the questions will start tomorrow. People need help now. They need answers now. They don't need to wait a few more weeks to maybe possibly find out the government is going to have nothing to say. So again, what is the Premier going to do and when is he going to do it? People are $200 away from not paying their bills every single month. They can't wait. Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, instead of giving tax breaks to the wealthy and large corporations, we've been using that money to help average British Columbians. So we have an, a child opportunity benefit up to $133 a month in people's pockets. $500 off of their car insurance on average, Mr. Speaker, after we cleaned up the dumpster fire. Members, and you know what's going to happen this year, Mr. Speaker? Members, this, please. This year, by the end of the year, 50% reduction in child care fees, which is huge for families. Leader of the third party. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. The family doctor crisis in our province is top of mind for a lot of people right now. There's 900,000 British Columbians without primary care, and those who are with it are finding their access increasingly cut back. 40% of British Columbians are afraid of losing their family doctor. This government has opened 27 urgent and primary care centres as their solution to this crisis. They're quick to open them, but many lack funding plans and adequate staffing. They're open limited hours, they fill up quickly, and there's gatekeeping over who can use them. They're meant to deliver care for people who are in urgent need. They are demonstrably not the solution for the family doctor crisis. The minister said as much on CBC Radio last week when he said, urgent, while urgent care is important, the key thing is to build access to primary care. My question for you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. We hear that there have been a million visits to UPCCs. But there are two other numbers that are essential for understanding the complete picture. How many of those million visits were to access primary care? And how many people have been turned away from UPCCs? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker, uh, since uh, 2018, the government has pursued uh, a primary care plan, which uh, seeks to reform primary care in our province by building team-based care in every part of our province. The principal initiative has been what's called the Primary Care Network, which provides, supports existing primary care providers and expanding their capacity to attach, in other words, to serve uh, more uh, patients in a longitudinal way, meaning over a number of years and visits, um, but also, Honourable Speaker, to provide better access to urgent care as well. So 54 primary care networks, which represents the lion's share of the new staff that have been added, uh, which is 950 across <laughs> British Columbia, 
Yes, 27 urgent and primary care centers that served over a million people. During the pandemic, those urgent primary care centers were essential in British Columbia because of the absolute transformation of our primary care system that happened on a dime in 2020. They have played a central role. They're not the only part of the plan. We've added new community health centers. We've added new residency positions. We've added dramatically, I mean dramatically, three times the number of nurse practitioners serving in primary care that have ever served before. This is an effort to do that, and we have to continue to do that, and we will. Leader of the third party supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honorable Speaker. And, and I, I think there's a, an interesting trend that we see um, with this government, particularly when it comes to healthcare, which is a lot about the inputs, um, but not much about the outcomes. And so we've gone from 700,000 unattached patients in this province to 900,000 unattached patients. We're hearing doctors talk about leaving their practices because the burden on them is too great when they're dealing with fee-for-service and having to run a small business in addition to caring for their patients. I applaud the minister's sense of urgency, but I think what we have to start measuring are the outcomes. And I didn't get an answer to my question about how many people have been turned away from UPCCs and how many people that visited UBCs were actually accessing primary care. So my question, again, through you, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Health. How many British Columbians have been attached to a family doctor through a visit to an urgent and primary care centre? Minister of Health. Well, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, Minister, once uh, the member speaks of outcomes, I just say this, that this is a transformation that's occurred on fee-for-service visits. In addition to that, we've added the number of APP doctors, alternate payment doctors, and the amount by 15% a year over the, in each of the last three years. 15% a year, we are transforming the system. But the member is right. This is primarily a fee-for-service system. Unusual in Canada, 80% of primary care building, billings are fee-for-service. And that has happened over time, over multiple governments. That's where we are today, 80%. But during the pandemic, talk about the response of the primary care system and the response of the government. In 2018, there were 16,500,000 primary care visits. And in the last, in 2021, the full year, during the pandemic, there were 18,043,000 visits. Now that was a dramatic increase, but it hides the real story, which is we had to, and family doctors had to, on a dime, changed the system such that there were 647,000 virtual visits in 2018 and 13 million virtual visits in 2021. This transformation has happened and it has had a significant effect, including on patients, many of whom struggle with the lack of in-person visits. This has been an extraordinarily challenging time. And I want to acknowledge the exceptional work done by family practice doctors and others, but in that context, the million in-person visits at UPCCs have been incredibly valuable. And I don't think, Honorable Speaker, 
criticizing them is the right approach. They are part of the answer. No one ever said they were the whole answer. I don't agree with that. At a members, time when we needed members. more in-person visits, we delivered a million through UPCCs. That was important, and I want to thank everyone in the system, doctors, nurse practitioners, health authorities, and the Ministry of Health for the work they've done together to serve people in the most difficult of times. Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, thank you very much. And we need to be very clear about something. No one in this House is criticizing the unbelievable work of healthcare professionals across British Columbia. No one. And to the, to the Minister's point about what's dramatic, here's what's dramatic. One million, nearly one million British Columbians do not have access to a family doctor, and somehow that's acceptable to the minister. British Columbians want a relationship with a family doctor, but it is shocking to think that in British Columbia, one in five British Columbians, a number that has, by the way, dramatically worsened since 2017, have no family doctor. So the minister tells them, go to a walk-in clinic. Well, guess what we discovered? This week, we discovered that British Columbia had the worst wait times in Canada at walk-in clinics. The average in Ontario is 15 minutes. It is 2 hours and 41 minutes in the Premier's backyard. At 8.20 this morning, every single urgent and primary care centre in Victoria was already at capacity and not taking patients. The only walk-in clinic left had a four-hour and 30-minute wait time. This is simply not good enough in British Columbia. The minister can spout numbers all he wants. What British Columbians want him to do is work to ensure that they can have a relationship with a family doctor. What exactly is the Premier going to do about the fact that one in five British Columbians have no access to a family doctor or are waiting hours in line at walk-in clinics. Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And there was a series of statements said by the member. I was referring to the criticism of UPCs, not of healthcare workers, from members of the opposition. And it made a series of other statements that she put in my words that I've never said and don't think, I don't believe. So I'm not sure if that's helpful to the debate, frankly. I just disagree with it. I just say that, uh, frankly, to the member. What I would say is that what is required in our primary care system is significant reform, because we have in BC an unusual primary care system. We have one that is more fee-for-service than anywhere else. We have more people coming to British Columbia than from anywhere else. And how have we responded? We've responded by a very significant investment in team-based care, such that there are 950 uh, more people working in primary care networks, 300 of them in urgent and primary care centers across the province to provide more service to people. We've but just been through a two-year pandemic so far, more than two-year pandemic, that's changed primary care more than any other part of healthcare, more than acute care, more than long-term care, in fact. And we are working our way through this, that, but I would say that in that period, we've added more than 600 family practice doctors. We have the largest family that practice program 
residency program in Canada. That's because we added 60 new positions since 2017. And we have to continue to do this work together because I agree, access to longitudinal care, particularly for those with chronic diseases and those who are older is absolutely critical. And that's a priority for this government. It's been a priority for, for me from the beginning and it continues to be now. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, the, the Minister makes it sound like he just figured this out yesterday. This is a two-term, half-decade government. And British Columbians are concerned. In fact, many British Columbians feel hopeless that they will ever have the ability to have a family doctor under this government's leadership. People feel hopeless. Let's listen to the words of Jacqueline Brand, who said, and I quote, I don't have a family doctor anymore since the James Bay Clinic closed. I am 73 years old and I need my prescription filled and I need it soon and I don't know where to go." End quote. Here's what we do know. One in five British Columbians do not have a family doctor. The minister says go to a walk-in clinic. They wait for hours. Our numbers are the worst in the country and in fact when the premier was asked about this issue last week what did he do what he typically does he blamed ottawa it is long past time and the minute and the premier can laugh and shake his head it is not funny to the one in five british columbians who can't access a family physician he should check it out in his own backyard as recently as this morning when they couldn't get in to an urgent primary care centre. So when is the Premier going to do the work that is necessary to ensure that British Columbians have hope that someday in this province they will have access to a family physician or have to wait for hours in line at a walk-in clinic? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you. And uh, again, uh, the point the Premier was making was a point, by the way, that his predecessor had made with respect to the Canada Health Transfer. It's a point that has been made that the decision of the federal government, which is a unilateral decision in 2016, to fix increase in the, family, in the Canada Health Transfer well below the rate of inflation has an impact on health care everywhere in the country. And the Premier is leading the effort nationally on behalf of British Columbia. As the Honourable Speaker, there is a role for everyone in that process. When I became Minister of Health, when I became Minister of Health, 83% of primary care billings were fee-for-service in BC. The number was 46% in Ontario, and that requires a change. It requires a change because the fee-for-service model, which supports volume, doesn't reflect the needs of the increasing and complexity of patients. And I know the member knows this because we've talked about it. Uh, many times, and we've discussed many times, and she's made the point uh, many times. So how do we address this? We address this by building out team-based care. 950 new FDEs, full-time people in primary care. We do it by adding new models of care, members, including community health centers and Indigenous and First Nations-led health centers in British Columbia. We do it that way. We do it by training and having more residency positions, and we have. We do it from moving from last in Canada in nurse practitioners to the fastest growing place, the centre of nurse practitioner primary care in the country. That's how we do it. We do it by building out team-based care. 
This was a significant issue when I became Minister of Health. We just had a two-year pandemic that would profoundly affect primary care, and we're continuing to work at it with our partners in the system, doctors in British Columbia, health professionals from British Columbia and communities in BC. Member for Abbotsford South. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. BC has the longest wait times in the country by far. Ontario's figured it out. Their wait time is 15 minutes. Now, the opposition can think that's funny. I don't think people standing in lineups for hours think it's funny. BC was the only province to see an increase. The wait times are now up over 50% on this NDP watch. Wait times are skyrocketing, clinics are shutting down, and doctors are leaving their practices. We have a system that is under crisis underneath this NDP government. In Maple Ridge this morning, the Cottonwood Medical Clinic was at its capacity, and a clinic just down the street had a wait time of three hours and 30 minutes. Willowbury Medical Centre in Langley had a six-hour and 30-minute wait time. That's not acceptable under anybody's watch. Why, Mr. Premier, have you abandoned people to hours-long wait times to get the medical attention they deserve? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable, Honourable uh, Speaker. Uh, I'd remind uh, members of the House that there is an important aspect to episodic care that we have to address, and we have in part done that by adding those million visits to urgent primary care centers in BC, including one in the member's area, in the, in the member's uh, hometown, which has had, I have to tell him, a significant and profound and positive effect on people in Abbotsford during the pandemic. The respect to the survey that he cites, it's a partial, not a comprehensive survey. You have to, uh, and uh, by a private company, fair enough. I think people uh, are, and this is my view, always any significant wait for healthcare is too long for me. It's why we've done surgical renewal on surgeries. It's why we have a primary care plan. It's why we're supporting long-term care. It's why we're adding residency positions. It's why we've significantly increased, almost doubled, the number of nurse practitioner positions in the province, including those working in the member's constituency. It is a challenge for people in BC, the question of a, of a family practice doctor, particularly in circumstances where with the doctor, their, aging, their doctor is aging out and retiring, and those people who've been with that doctor for 20, 30, 40 years find themselves without a family practice doctor. That's why we are responding in the way that we are. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Dr. Tamina Ali was named BC's Family Physician of the Year in 2020. She provides incredible care to the people of South Surrey. But now she says she's at a breaking point. And every day she says she's on the cusp of quitting. In her quote, we are hurting and family medicine in this community is hemorrhaging members daily. Instead of blaming the federal government, will this premier stand in this house today and commit to do something and get British Columbians, the one million British Columbians who are today without a family doctor, the care that they desperately need? Of health. Well, Honourable Speaker, um, uh, I think it's fair to say that the premier and the government will continue to lead the country 
with respect to the Canada Health Transfer. And I don't think that is inconsistent. That is one aspect of how you deal with challenges with respect to primary care. How do we do that? We add primary care networks and team-based care, 950 new FTEs, that's significant. We significantly increased the number of nurse practitioner positions. The creation of nurse practitioner positions was the work on the government side of George Abbott when he was Minister of Health. It was the work at that time. But when I became Minister of Health, we were last in Canada uh, in terms of the number of nurse practitioners working with it. We profoundly changed that. That's how you do it. In South Surrey and Cloverdale, there's a nurse practitioner-led clinic. That's how you do it. You build primary care networks, you build opportunities for people to work, and you increase the number of residency positions and family practice. Now, there are challenges. The fee-for-service system for new entrants into the field who generally want to practice medicine and don't want to run small businesses is a challenge because our existing system is often is generally based on that and the new entrants in the system don't want to do that as much, meaning that they are and tend to be much more attracted to hospitalist positions or alternative payments uh, situations. And those are issues that we have to work with family practice doctors in BC, including Dr. Ali, to, to ensure that they are supported in the outstanding work they do in communities. Member for 30 White Rock, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And the Minister's words are not met by action from this government, from this Premier. And we see that day after day. Every member of this House is getting the letters, the emails, the phone calls, the visits saying we need help. We do not have a family doctor. We need support. Every riding is getting those calls and the minister can dismiss them. The minister can rattle off numbers, but at the end of the day, a million British Columbians are without a family doctor. And that is unacceptable. Dr. Ali says, and I quote, our cries are not being heard. Family medicine is hemorrhaging. We are an endangered species. And without us, the primary care system is going to fall apart. End quote. A system that the minister spent most of this question period talking about. And this doctor is saying it's at critical mass. And this minister continues to dismiss these issues. In Surrey, 13 walk-in clinics are full by 10 a.m. 13 walk-in clinics are full. So if you want to take your child to get support because you don't have a family doctor, you can visit that walk-in clinic if you're not there by 10 a.m. And this minister think that this is acceptable this day in this province, a million people without a family doctor. When will this Premier step up in this House and give British Columbians the assurance they need that they will be supported by a family doctor? Premier. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And I just want to correct some uh, misstatements by those on the other side. First and foremost, there's one person that's working 24 hours a day to improve health care for people in British Columbia, and it's the Minister of Health. Secondly, secondly, Honourable Speaker, at, at no time, at no time have I, at no time have I blamed the federal government. They don't want an answer, Honourable Speaker, because they are part of the problem. That's why. Honourable Speaker, Honourable Speaker, the opposition characterizes, 
The opposition characterizes cooperative federalism, making our country work by ensuring that there's adequate fun. Do you want to hear it, man? Do you want to hear it? Or do you just want to hear your voice? Why don't you go in the bathroom and talk to yourself in there? Because you don't want to hear answers in this place. Seriously. The Canada Health Transfer is fundamental to health care in British Columbia. It's fundamental, and it has been for generations. Do you care? Do you really care, or do you want to hear yourself? Do you want a headline, or do you want action? Uh, 